Oh, yeah. Yeah, we teach all the chickens how to play tennis. Is there some sort of, like, assistive device you need to for a chicken to hold a tennis racket? Yeah, I mean, you know, like, like with even, you know, humans playing tennis, you know, you need to learn how to hold a racket and everything, so... This is true. That reminded me of the last of the really great Wangdoodles. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Wiffle Bird has a tiny, tiny pair of hands that comes out of its body and parts its feathers so that it can see... Yes, that's right. Oh, oh man, I, I forgot thinking, about that part. About tiny little hands. <laughs> Hello. 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 Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> what did I miss? Well, I was struggling with my earbuds. So we were laughing at that. We were talking, just talking about uh, teaching chickens to play tennis. Yeah. Oh, oh. Teaching chickens to play tennis and the last of the really great Wang Doodle. Yes. Wow. Have mm-hmm. you read that book, Mom? No. It's really fun. Who wrote it? Julie Andrews. What? Really? Yeah. yeah. Yes. What? Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. None of this I mean, sounds true. Are you? Are you? Wait. Am I? Are you people okay? <laughs> I hope so. What do you mean okay? <laughs> Okay, forget that question. (laughs) It's too complicated. Hello, and welcome to Good-Looking People in Small Clever Rooms that Utilize Every Centimeter of Available Space with Mind-Boggling Efficiency. It's week 10, which is a very pleasing round number. Mm-mm. I'm Andrew, and I'm here with Brianna. Greetings. And we're joined over Discord by my mom, Norma. Hi. And by our friend, Vinny. Hi. Th- this reading is uh, a lot with Joelle Van Dyne um, mm-hmm. that we're going to get into uh, in great detail. But we start out here, we, we alluded to this at the end of our last meeting. Uh, we start out with this list of the chronology of the subsidized time years. So this is like finally uh, a key to the order that the years happen in. Right. Yeah. So cruel. I'm wondering, so I was trying to see if we knew when subsidization began. Because I could have sworn that there was one of James O's films that was made in 1997 before subsidization. Correct. Okay. Okay. There was. Um, As far as I know, at least from my timeline, uh, subsidized time started in 98 or 99. I'm unclear. Yeah, so that would mean that if we're going by that timeline, then 2005 or 2006 would be YDAU. Mm-hmm. I and know we that also there's talked about just just thinking about Hal and his buddies, who at the beginning in the year of Glad are are seniors, right? Yes. At, yeah. At NPR. Yeah. And so nine years. Nine years of subsidized time probably is roughly the same. It like the beginning of subsidized time was probably about the time that they came to the academy, don't you think? Yeah, I yeah we talked about that. I think that is probably true. 
roughly. Maybe around 10, 9 or 10, oh, probably. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But we haven't really heard, like, why subsidized time. This is true. Like, what happened? We did. That, that, I mean, obviously, I thought, it must make money for somebody. It, it's commercial. It's like naming rights. It's naming yeah, rights. Yeah, I thought it, it was kind of like um, advertising naming rights. It, it was shortly around the time that Onan came into existence, I thought. Right. And that it was kind of about uh, getting more funding, and so they sold off year. That's so gross. Yeah. yeah. It's so dumb, too, because it makes it... I mean, here we are, you know, we're... we're we have, I have no idea, really, about this place and time, really, that we're reading about. Mm-hmm. What's going on politically and, and just... Emotionally. You know, emotionally and globally. <laughs> yeah. Just anything. I just don't have any idea what's going on, but... It certainly doesn't help one keep track of order and time that things happened when it's non-numerical. Yeah, <laughs> I have to believe that it's like intentionally disorienting, right? Like this For has sure. to be a right. narrative Is that tactic. Part of it? That it's that yeah, yeah. That like up but to I, this point, we haven't even really been sure about the order that things have been happening in. But do you think that in this world, this that this story is set? Do you think that the institution of this subsidized time was also meant to disorient people, humans? Mm. Do you think it was meant to be disorienting? If you lived in this I, time and subsidized I don't, time I don't was know created, that it's do you that... think it was meant to be? I don't. surely I don't they thi- would have known that it would be. Well, <laughs> I think maybe they knew, but they didn't care. I, yeah. I, I have trouble believing that there's like any sort of sinister totalitarian state at play here. I think that it's more like the inevitable conclusion of a neoliberal technocracy that like ultimately everything will be sold for naming rights and ultimately everything will be filled with garbage and gradually stop working. And yeah. It also sounds yeah. pretty much like capitalism in general. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> Tracks. Yeah. yeah. It's like taking the arc of capitalism to, toward its ending point. Mm-hmm. And this is what it would look like. Everything's going to hell. Yeah. <laughs> Which is interesting that you say that because I just read an introduction by Ursula K. Le Guin for The Left Hand of Darkness, and she talks about science fiction typically being we're going to take this idea to its logical, most extreme conclusion and then play around in that world. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so to hear you say that, Norma, makes me feel like, <laughs> yes, we're going to take uh-huh. capitalism and technology to its logical furthest extreme right. and play around right. in that world and see what the humans right. are going to do. Right. See the yeah. ridiculousness of the extreme. If you keep going mm-hmm. along this path until you get to the extreme outer limit, look how bizarrely ridiculous it all looks. It seems like probably this would have been really pointed satire at the time that it came out. Um, but it's a bizarre experience to look at this speculative near future from from our from current, the actual future fr- from, from the from actual, actual future. future that is that is in yeah. many ways like more absurd than the right. the world yes. that david foster it's wallace slightly, is in depicting in slightly different ways but but yet more absurdity and 
Yeah. In a way. But yeah. also past when this would have happened. If right. this were happening in real time and it was 2005, seven, whatever, yeah. then we're, we're still looking back at it 13 years ago. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying right. to think Wild. I'm trying to think back to like what the world was like in 2005, 2006. Would have been Bush's second term. It was right before uh-huh. the economic crash. Right yeah. before the crash in the middle of the Iraq war. It was before the iPhone. Before the iPhone, right. after 9/11. Um Yeah, I mean, I think that um, America at the time was much more preoccupied with military displays of force than the America or the North America depicted in Infinite Jest. Yeah. Um, well, in 1996, would you say that uh, America was more interested in technology than military? Yeah, I mean, that that's Perhaps. my that's my sense. Like, I wasn't very politically aware in 96. Mom, maybe you can speak to this i can't remember i can't yeah. remember i mean that would have been so that would have been clinton's second term um, yeah pre-sex um, scandal like pre-impeachment well that was 1996 was right when he was elected for a second term right um so we were not in you were involved like third grade in, <laughs> yeah like but we, it was during the dot-com right yeah yeah so i right. think that tracks that like Heavily uh, into personal computers were were advancing really fast. Mm-hmm. Lots of people mm-hmm. talking about STEM education, engineering, Starting and, to, and yeah. programming, mm-hmm. and yeah. So I could see this being a logical extension of that time period. Yeah. Um, whereas if he had written it five five years after, and it dealt with nine eleven, then. Yeah, this right. would look very right. different. Right. Yeah. I, right. You know, I, I was thinking recently in reading this, I, I, I'm not sure if I believe this myself necessarily, but I'm curious whether this is, whether this feels right to me. I'm kind of imagining Onan's government as being like if uh, Silicon Valley tech companies ran the <laughs> government. Okay. You yeah. Know? Like, like there's um, branding on everything. Everything is ultimately about monetary transactions and things that can't be monetized are basically just ignored. There's like this whiz bang new solution for waste disposal that seems really slick, but ultimately causes more problems than it solves, probably. And the selling naming rights to the years, which sounds, right. you know, like a great way to make some money. Uh, mm-hmm. It must have it might have been about the time that sports venues were selling their naming rights when he wrote this. I mean, it maybe was when that was picking I'll up. It, I'll bet I, it I was. mean, like Wrigley Field was probably one of the first places to sell its naming rights, though, and that was like decades and decades before this. Wasn't mm-hmm. it? Built Did they sell the naming Field? rights though? Were those Wrigley Field? Rig- like yeah, Wrigley, the my, chewing gum. My understanding is that it was built as Wrigley Field. That's oh. a really old right. Part. In back right. in the days, back in the days, things didn't change their names. Like Wrigley Field is Wrigley Field. Oh, so Field. you mean like the, the idea of, of rebranding something and selling right. the naming yeah. rights anew. Right. Yeah, I can I mean. see that That's yeah. what being, I mean. being like something Mile that occurred High in the 90s. Like Stadium becomes Invesco Field. Field. And then right. we, don't even know, we don't even know what it becomes after that. But it's that kind, that would have been probably happening around the time he wrote this. That mm-hmm. places were just starting 
to do that. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, the least important scandal of 2020 is that there w- there's been talk that uh, Miller Park in Milwaukee will be rebranded. Um, <gasps> Holy that, that crap. somebody else's. Well, so they've the, been talking about that for two the, years. The last thing <laughs> I heard was that some company was going to buy the naming rights, but as like a public service to Milwaukee, they would they would keep the name as Miller Park, which I yeah. really don't understand. <laughs> but yeah, whatever. I thought, well, it would have been like it, it would make it would kind of make sense if you wanted to build goodwill toward your brand. You could put your name somehow in parentheses after yeah. it or something. You know, it would be like uh, if those who had bought naming rights for Mile High Stadium had just kept it Mile High Stadium. Right. Uh, Sponsored by whatever. Sponsored by. Right. Yeah. And I imagine that even if they do change the name of Miller Park, people will still call it Miller Park. They will call it that. Yeah. It's it's like in Chicago. People don't call it the Willis Tower. Like it's still the Sears Tower. Yeah. Which is also interesting in this in the subsidized years, time years, the naming rights for the years. It is interesting. So it's it's nine years, which is a while, but not that long. Yeah. That nobody refers, no one refers to the years by the numerical system. That is interesting. Yeah. You'd think that there would like be Luddites up. who, like, you'd think that Avril would be somebody who would just refer to the right. year as a number. But and, no, you don't mm-hmm. hear any year numbers right. anywhere so far. Right. Hmm. Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, it seems like for all this, there's mentions of sort of political dissent and people who are like the the T-shirt about, can you believe the Supreme Court just disrespected our flag and stuff like that? Right. It seems like um, socially, the people of America are pretty monolithic. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're apparently mostly just going along with it, except that Avril had her little hissy fit over the, the year. Oh, yeah, the grammarians did riot. Yeah, right, yeah. The one that you can't say, the way mm-hmm. the one that's unusable. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But other than that, it's not like people are whining. They're using the names. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the other thing that I am not clear on is the end note for the year of Glad, where mm. they're talking about that it's still being reviewed. That it's that's yeah. like tentatively referred to as the year of Glad because it hasn't been completely. All the paperwork hasn't been done. All the mm-hmm. all the okay, uh, yeah. hoops haven't been jumped through yet. The bureaucratic stuff, but it references the Office of Unspecified Service has something to do which with that. Which has got to be that so deeply works for. Which is like yeah. law enforcement. That is, so it's, it, yeah. It, it, it it makes me wonder. Also, Vienna, Virginia, is like home to a lot of the uh intelligence serve like u.s intelligence agencies and Mm. and various military contractors and stuff it makes me think that like when when onan was formed maybe all of those still existing federal services were just lumped together uh haphazardly into one big Mm. office that that kind of oversees everything i don't know why logistically would they do that I just, I don't know, but I mean, it does like they talk about how the CIA or they imply that maybe the CIA doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't exactly know what the equivalency would be for where steeply would be working in our government, but probably like the FBI or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I have a feeling that Onan doesn't necessarily 
worry about logistics. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> fair point. <laughs> Catapulting garbage and right. all. Yeah. Yeah. We also don't know. It just occurred to me that I don't think we know where Onan is headquartered. Like, presumably, they have different headquarters than the federal, the U.S. federal government would have. Yeah, where would it be? We don't know mm. that, do we? We don't, no. In fact, it's interesting that I just assume that it would be in the U.S. Right. Because we're the bossiest, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Like, well, of course, it's probably in the U.S. Mm-hmm. But it could be Canada or Mexico, conceivably, right? Would it be Mexico, yeah. U.S., yeah. And, and Canada? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I just totally dismissed the idea that it, the headquarters could be in either of those two countries. That's bad. Yeah, especially because it seems like it's um, with all of the Quebecois resistance and everything, right. that maybe it's located in Canada. Mm. Mm. Yeah, like Toronto, yeah, Toronto. or something. Mm-hmm. Vancouver. Huh. There's a very depressing little passage right after this about the state of, like, protest and resistance in Onan that Canadian separatists have placed a flag on a statue. Is it a Quebecois fleur-de-lis flag? Yeah. They, and, oh, and the, yeah. They've, altered, and the, they've altered it. But the narrator right. says, uh, Canadian militants come in the night on the eve of interdependence, thinking anyone cares whether they hang things from historic icons, hang anti-Onan flags, as if anyone not paid to remove them cares one way or the other. Right. That's mm-hmm. really chilling. And then the keep going. The encaged and suicidal have a really hard time imagining anyone caring passionately about anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's, that's a pretty sweeping statement about presumably Society, every, everyone living in the country. Right. Yeah. Wake up, sheeple. <laughs> and before we get that, the very first sentence uh, after we get to yes. the chronology, yes. I want to just touch real quick because uh, it says Jim's eldest Orin, Hunter Extraordinaire, Dodger of Flung Acid Extraordinaire. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I just I I really just wanted to uh you know bring that up, table it, uh you know, put a put a marker, <laughs> see if know, uh see what we find out about that. This this chunk <laughs> these this chunk of pages that we read uh was oddly focused on on basic you know, like one piece of story. It was very mm-hmm. it was yeah. kind of disorienting in a way. Yeah. That it kept going because when I started out I felt like I was like I was researching. I was trying to figure things out. I was looking back at the filmography to see, you know, uh, what films was Madame Psychosis in and when did this start and blah, 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 because I was trying to figure things out. And then as you go along, though, stuff is revealed. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not Mm -hmm. completely. Not completely. There are still mysteries. But a lot of what I spend a lot of time like trying to figure out was then revealed pages later. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so Vinny, you, you're talking about the, the acid, acid here and there's, there's another mention of acid. It's a, uh, there's, a, there's talking about Joel and it says for a yes. while after the acid, right. after oh. first Oren left and then Jim came. D- are, are we to believe that Joel was like, had acid thrown on her or something? That's and definitely what, I thought 
maybe maybe hence the veil the veil right yeah my question was i have two questions one is who was the acid thrower and right and who was the acid thrown at yeah yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. like so Oren dodged it but does that mean that he was thrown at Oren? maybe it was thrown at him and it hit her yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Or it was just kind of thrown indiscriminately, and he is, it's, it's interesting, anyway, mm-hmm. and troubling. Mm-hmm. And also gross that Oren showed Joel uh, the husks of his woman <laughs> pledges. Yeah. Dis- that was so disgusting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's such no, a unique collection, them. though. Oh. Yeah. Oh, it's like. I agree. It's really disgusting, but at the same like, time, I'm like, who else has that collection? It's like, it's like you know, when you pee it when you were a kid and you put glue, Elmer's glue, on part of you, yeah. and then you peel it off. It's just like oh, that. I just yeah. imagine those those filmy, gross sheets that are almost like sunburn peeled skin hanging mm-hmm. around. Mm-hmm. Only the lemon pledge must be a lot tougher because you can actually see the the shapes of the <laughs> legs and arms and faces yeah. and it's just. I, so pr- I particularly like the note that uh, that closes out the paragraph that not all the husks had names below them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. So that implies that implies that he that they're they're not just his. He no, it seems up, like he he's a curator. Up, like it, yeah, it seems very carefully the husks curated from others. That yeah, which is also gross. Creepy. <laughs> yeah. The other thing we all know that Norma has been filled with dread and worry about Hal through mm-hmm. the book up to this point. Mm-hmm. And now I'm also filled with dread and worry about Oren. For some mm. reason, I thought maybe Oren had escaped some of the stuff that we've learned have hap- has happened to Hal. But now I think Oren has some heavy burdens, secrets and stuff he knows about things that... Yeah, and mm-hmm. I mean, we kind of already knew that Oren had some issues because yeah. he right. has all that sleeping, trouble sleeping, right. and mm-hmm. like he traps bugs and slowly asphyxiates them under yeah. his nightmares glasses. about his his mother's head being stuck to his head oh yeah so yeah, about that. yeah. And, and can't have relationships that are actually relationships right. and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i did more research in this when i read this oh yeah there were a lot oh, of things exciting. that i wondered about like it starts out with, uh, talking about joel walking through the the city right Boston's mm-hmm. Colonel Shaw and the Massachusetts 54th. And I looked him up to see who he was. Oh, yeah. Colonel Shaw. He uh, was from a white abolitionist family, and he led the first all-black regiment uh, in the Union Army. Mm. Oh, cool. And, he, and he, he was white, but he led the black, this black regiment, and he encouraged his, his soldiers to refuse their pay until they were paid as much as the white troops. Before we start getting into Joel, I have another question. Uh, This one about the ad that Joel sees with the. Oh, um, yes. 
Yeah, with the yes. wheelchair assassin. So is this the wheelchair assassins taking ownership of the entertainment? I'm trying to find that in the... That yeah. was like a cardboard cutout of Marat, right? Mm-hmm. Was it Marat well, or was it just some wheelchair assassin? We don't I think know it's just it some wheelchair assassin, but it sounds a lot like Marat, but that might just be because Marat's the, big, the main wheelchair assassin that we know. Um, for me, it's on okay. page 224, but that doesn't yeah. help you very much. Um, there's it's a, a second. Big... humanoid figure of something that's better than cardboard, untouched yeah. by the vendors who don't seem to even look. Uh, display on an angled rear mount stand, like a photo frame stand. The figure, right. a man in a wheelchair, in a coat and tie, his lap blanketed and no legs below. His well-fed face artistically reddened with some terrible joy. His smile's arc of the extreme curvature that exists between mirth and fury. His ecstasy terrible to see, his head hairless and plastic and cast back. His eyes on the blue harlequin patches of the post-storm sky, looking straight up or having a seizure or ecstatic. His arms also up and out in a gesture of submission or triumph or thanks. His oddly thick right hand, the receptacle for the black spine or of the case of some new film cartridge being advertised for distribution. The cartridge stuck like a tongue out of a slot in his lineless palm. But the cartridge is the actual is an actual cartridge or a cartridge well, box. It's an actual but, one. It comes yes. out of yeah. the, It can come out. But it's not. It's a dummy. It's like a. It's just. Well, we the, don't know. I don't think we. I don't it think does, we It know does that. say that it. I it says that it is. I thought Joelle thought that it probably. I was, thought she was just took empty. it out and opened it. She. No, she um, took it out, but she slid it back in. She lo- removes it and she, looks at it and puts puts it back. She's had her last fling with film cartridges. So, it oh, says so the maybe, film cartridge itself would be a blank, too, or the case empty, worthless, because it really can be removed. She but, yeah, that's from it her perspective. But, she so. doesn't, but she do, it doesn't say that it actually is empty. In fact, that's true. In fact, so why is this would it like, be empty? Why would you have this cardboardish cutout advertisement, and why would you just not have... Well, but it's like cartridge box be a. I think she's uh, thinking of it as being because it's out on the street. I think she's thinking of it like it's a you know it's an eye catching sign and presumably. I I felt like it was a more diabolical thing. I thought it was out there meant for someone to pick it up and take it home. Honestly, I think you might be Mm. right. Like I think that's what she thinks it is. But reading this now. Uh, it seems like maybe the AFR put that up as a way to entice people to like take the cartridge and see what's on it. Like maybe that's right. the entertainment I, right yes. there. Right. Yes. Yeah. And maybe the the picture of the wheelchair assassin guy. I mean, it's the description of him sounds mm-hmm. very much like uh, like the, the sort of medical attaché. The, yeah, very much like, like the the that. Like ecstatic like the, fugue like state. Looks like it when they are watching it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like you can be like this guy here. Take this home. Pop it in your TP. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. the other thing that we didn't read is that the um, uh, film cartridge was completely. Um, it wasn't marked. Thing. Right. right. Which like is, is right. consistent with other right. descriptions of it. Right. Wait. Pause. Mm. The entertainment. Is marked. Oh, with a smiley only face. Only by a smiley face. A smiley oh, face. Oh, that's true. Okay, yeah, you're but right. But it's possible. Uh, this this gets into some specifics about the the materiality of a TP cartridge that I don't think has been explained yet. Like, is it inside of a case? Would you have to open up the case to see any markings on the cartridge? 
Oh, maybe. Hmm. Maybe. I've been picturing, like, blockbuster cases for Me VHSs. Me too. Me too. Oh, okay. <laughs> I picture it too, only maybe, only square. I've been... I picture it square. Okay. <laughs> like an audio, but that's maybe because I get audio books for your grandma, Andrew, and uh, they come in square. Uh... Vinny, what were you going to say? I've been picturing it as like an old SNES cartridge, like an old video game cartridge. Yeah, that's that's Uh, more what I've been uh imagining, too, like um, or like an eight track tape or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like definitely plastic and chunky. Mm hmm. But if it is the case that that's the entertainment right there, then that makes that that's like a further irony for this section where Joelle is reflecting a lot on a number of things but one of the things she's thinking about is how james o never let her see his final film his final thing yeah and it's possible that that's it right there Mm -hmm. it's in here too that we learn that she she thinks of him or refers to him as infinite jim yes Mm -hmm. infinite jim and she also mentions that Orin uh called him either himself Or, or the mad stork. <laughs> or, the, or sometimes the sad stork. So, see, this is the point where we don't know uh, exactly where Joel fits in all of this. So this is where I, this is where I took off and, and looked at the filmography mm-hmm. yeah. again. Uh, because she talks about being in his films. That he... That, in several uh, of them, yeah. In several of them. And so then I thought, oh, I'm going to look and see which films she was in. But then she's not. Her name isn't listed. But Madame Psychosis is listed from the year YTMP. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That she shows up. She starts showing up in them. And she plays kind of similar characters. I looked to see who she played. Oh, uh, yeah. In one, the low-temperature civics, is it? She played mm-hmm. death. A man encounters her and becomes catatonic. No. And then there are two films that she's not in, and then the next one is The Desire to Desire. She plays a beautiful cadaver. Mm. Uh, and then two films later, she's in Unlimited X-Ray and Infrared Photography, and she's a, her face is mangled by a boat propeller. Oh, a water ski instructor. She's the fiancé of a claustrophobic water ski instructor, and her face is mangled by a boat propeller. Mm. And then two films later, uh, The Night Wears a Sombrero, she plays a mysterious veiled nun on a ranch where gunslingers come and she ritually blinds them. Okay. And then, then there's kind of a break. And then 11 films later, uh, the film adaptation of Peter Weiss's persecution and assassination of yeah. Murat. She plays death in that one. And then mm-hmm. four, four films later, uh, infinite just four and before that is probably is probably the apology film that he does which doesn't list her as in it but that was the sorry all over the sorry place. all over the place where it's then, unclear whether he's yeah he he's acting he acts in that one um and it sounds like maybe he's playing his father he talks about apologizing a lot and also talking about method acting I thought that mm. that could be true, but then I keep thinking about the acid incident, mm. and if she was accidentally uh, disfigured with, burned by acid and ruined her beautiful face, uh, mm. 
Because mm. it says for a while after the acid, after first Oren left, and then Jim came and made her sit through that filmed apology scene and then vanished and then came back. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's and possible. It's in that same paragraph where she's talking about that filmed apology scene, then talks about how she's gone into light. She took the veil and she does all this like, OCD cleaning kind of stuff mm-hmm. in her house. Um, yeah. Well, that's when she's and high. Then, and yeah. then she says, imitate the wife and mother they both declined to shoot. Mm-hmm. What's hmm. that? I thought that well, was talking about Avril. Yeah. Yeah, right. I, yeah, I take that to be Avril. To shoot. Declined to shoot. Uh, well, decline to shoot, as in decline to shoot on film. Decline to oh, like she and Jim both declined to shoot. Shoot Avril. Avril. Huh. I don't know. So you mentioned her playing death. So I mm-hmm. think this is a good. This is a good time to bring this up. So her her persona, which I think we established pretty much uh, definitively in this section, she is Madame Psychosis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Madame Psychosis is, I believe, a play on the word metempsychosis, M-E-T-E-M psychosis, which is uh, a philosophical term referring to the transmigration of the soul, especially its reincarnation after death. Um, Mm. I also think of this in relation to, like, the psychopomp. Are are people familiar with the concept of the psychopomp in, like, literature and and mythology? Uh, psychopomp is a is like a sort of mystical figure that assists people in their transition from being living to being dead. So, like the the Grim Reaper would be a psychopomp. Uh, oh, Sharon okay. on the River Styx would be a psychopomp. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, even um, Anubis is a psychopomp. Yes. Yeah. I don't have anything really constructive to say about psychopomps except that it's just something that i think about in relationship to madame psychosis and like is that a a a play on words that she chose for a particular reason does she think of herself as some form of psychopomp or or did james o give her the name i mean we don't really know why she took this name yeah that's true Hmm. yeah well i mean we do know that she's suicidal and she i get the feeling that she has been for a while and so death kind of has a it's something that she thinks about often yeah it's interesting though because if you go through the filmography um that apology film was like right before the infinite just before his last film Mm-hmm. And she had been in his films for quite a while. Like, she'd been in a bunch of films, conceivably before the acid incident happened. Right. It seems. Yeah. Uh, but she was already referred to as Madame Psychosis the very first time. And I felt like like a bunch of her issues were around her face. I, mm-hmm. I picture yeah. her as having a very disfigured face. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's caused that that really pushed her over the edge into her addiction and there's even dismay a... and but but she was already going by that name early on and she the, her first role was to play death. She even reflects on on the shooting of the scene for Infinite Jest and and lifting her veil for uh-huh. James Owen. Mm-hmm. She says, did she kill him somehow, just inclining veilless over that lens? 
Right. And that almost reminds me of like a, a Medusa type figure, mm-hmm. which is another another mythological character who's been mentioned a couple times so far. Yeah. Well, maybe perhaps not Medusa. Um, isn't there another mythological woman who is so beautiful that you can't bear to look at her directly? Oh. Hmm. Yeah. Did we talk about her? I Didn't feel she like up so I feel like she I came feel up like there's a character like that. That sounds very familiar, but I I can't put a name to it. I mean, because yeah, you could also here. think about Orpheus and Eurydice mm-hmm. and like the prohibition against looking back or else she mm. would turn to salt. Yes. Salt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um so maybe there's some effect that her appearance has that on the viewer. <laughs> Do you hear what I'm saying? That it's yeah. not maybe it, that maybe she's monstrous, that she's, but right, maybe, maybe she's, she's so she's beautiful. Too beautiful. Her right. father told her she was the most beautiful girl in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When she was and, little. Uh, before, because I um, had only read that first of the acid i didn't register the second so yeah i kept on thinking that she was um like brian was saying that she kept the veil because she was too beautiful not necessarily that she was disfigured yeah right. I'm, I'm unclear on that but yeah. then where did and the acid go then where did the acid go right. i think we don't right. know yeah. a whole lot yeah. about the the chronology of where the acid shows up Mm-hmm. And so, at least for me, I'm choosing to believe that when she was working with James O, she was, like, heartbreakingly beautiful. And that that was part of what he perhaps found intriguing about her. Um, that she was beautiful, but didn't understand how to deal with that. Mm-hmm. And maybe both things are true. Maybe the maybe she was heartbreakingly beautiful, and then there's an acid incident, and then she goes from one extreme to the other. Right, that's possible. <laughs> yeah. So all of a sudden, you're hiding your face, as you have always done. But for but, opposite reasons. But for the opposite reason, and what does that do to your sense of self? If yeah. you believe that you're hiding your face there because is, you, it's you too know, beautiful, it's way different. There's one detail that was mentioned that I thought was odd uh, and kind of took me by surprise because I didn't really expect it from her, from what I know about her character. But it sounds like it mentions that her mascara is a mess. So like she wears makeup right, so she under wears the makeup. veil. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I did notice that. And I'm like, I guess maybe she wears it for herself. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Or it's just part of her ritual. That could be. Um, also, sidebar, I looked up uh, Too Beautiful Character on Google and found the TV Tropes page for So Beautiful, It's a Curse. Oh. Mm. That's exciting. So I'll let you know if I find anybody, any characters that I'm really excited about. <laughs> okay. I looked up the word scopophobia. Oh, yeah, tell me. Which is an excellent word. Yes. Fear of being stared at. 
Which is interesting oh. because this, so this, this chapter mentions both scopophobia and scopophilia. It mentions mm-hmm. um, Infinite Jest, the film, as being a scopophiliac film. Right, mm. and what was that? Well, I looked that up too, I think, but I don't... I, I assume it's the opposite of scopophobia. It's like the... the like you like the, to be stared at. Yeah, the desire oh, to be that, stared at. Oh, it's like that, that you can't look away. Yeah. Or anyway. Yeah. So we also learned that Joelle, Madame Psychosis, had a complicated relationship with James O. And with Oren. Yes. I guess. Mm-hmm. She got money from... Yeah. James O's estate, like a lot yeah. of it, like ridiculous amount, which is why she had the apartment. Is that right? That is now that she gave to Molly Notkins. But yeah, so it's this weird, this complicated thing where she was she was sleeping with Oren, and she wasn't sleeping with for James 21 O. Twenty one months for about twenty one months for almost yeah. two years, and she wasn't sleeping with James O. But she's pretty sure that Avril thought that she was yeah right a suspicion which is reinforced by that provision in james o's will and we also so, and know it, that and it also says in the end note end note 80 it says that oren knew that joel and his dad weren't lovers but avril did yeah. not know right and avril was sleeping and with james someone else knew that she apparently. was having an affair although <laughs> he he refused to tell joel who that person was right mm. And it also says that Joel says that Jim wasn't in a position to be lovers with anyone by this time, neurologically speaking. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which also, of course, you know, makes you wonder. But so Oren knows all of this. He knows all of this about his parents and about Madame Psychosis. And he knows a lot, which he told Hal way back, right? <laughs> There's, I know things or I... I have I I want to tell you I know things. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. We learn here that Joel never really got to know Mario because Oren disliked Mario. Oren disliked Mario. That mm-hmm. damaged grinning boy. Which is really sad. I mean, how could anyone dislike Mario? Yeah. That is so sad. So Oren, we figured is what? A year or two older than Mario? I think he's about 2 years older. About two years older, so he would have been the tag along. Well, no, he's got to be older brother. than. He's got to be significantly older than that because he's playing in the NFL, and Mario is. Seventeen, eighteen, eighteen. Yeah. But Mario should have been out of school because Hal is a senior. Well, he's not in not school. Yet. Right, at, but, but my, my point is, my point is, if if Oren's playing in the NFL, he's got to be past college age. Mm-hmm. One would assume. Yeah, but he could be yeah, like he could be, at the he could youngest. Be, yeah, and okay. Mario could be 18 or 19 even. With he's his, 18. He's, he, is Hal's he 17 and, and Mario's and a year older. 18. Even the description but of Mario here sad. is like, like, like smiling like he's squinting into the sun and how that the spoiled child actor makes a face at him and he just laughs and that makes the spoiled child actor really angry. Right. I mean, everything I find out about Mario makes me like him more. Right. Yeah. But Joelle didn't like him either, right? I mean, she sounds. I don't think she has an opinion, really. She seems very distant from him. him. Yeah. Yeah. You think that's it? I felt like she was of the same opinion as Oren. 
I didn't get that. His damaged, grinning boy that Joel never got to know. Yeah. It, I mean, it's tough because I think in most circumstances, if I heard someone describe somebody else as damaged, I would think it was like a pejorative. But it seems like that's just how the world sees Mario. So I don't know that we can read much about her opinion of him into that. Did anybody else pick up on when she shredded and smoked them and had wept and imprecated at the mirrors and thrown away her paraphernalia again for the final time uh, reminded me very much of Air Daddy and his relationship yes. with Yes, how you get rid of everything. Yes. You get also, rid of everything because you're not going to do it the, again. Who is the woman that we met in the psych ward talking to the doctor? Kate Gompert. Kate Gompert. It reminded Kate me Gompert. of her, too. Yeah. Mm, yeah. It seems to be the standard that you want to, there's a piece of you that wants to quit and that doesn't like the way you feel anymore when you're using. And so you get rid of all your stuff, but then you have to get more. Right. Because you can't, you can't hold on. Yeah, it's like the same story all over again. It's interesting to me because it feels like it's making the experience of getting high and being addicted as kind of a universal yeah. box that you can check. So mm. so once you get addicted, that box gets checked and then as you're trying to kick the habit, you go through these same stages that everybody else does. Yeah. Um, right. But yeah. at the same time, it seems to me like they're at least getting to know all of the individuals that we're getting to know at Ennett House. Addiction seems very personal mm -hmm. on the flip side. So it's kind of like with that. Yeah. It's kind of like what happens after you get to that point where you're, where you're getting rid of all your paraphernalia because you're, you're determined that you're going to quit, but then you have to start up again. And then you're also disgusted that you're there. You are buying stuff to replace what you just threw out in her case, just that morning. Was it, or like very recently, she just threw it all away. Mm -hmm. And, but then what happens next is, is different for everybody. Like some of them, I guess, actually kill themselves. Some of them maybe try to, but are scooped up before, you know, and taken for treatment. And some mm -hmm. maybe get into the criminal justice system and get shoved off into treatment. That what happens at that point is not particularly clear. Like they all go through mm -hmm. these same, like you said, check the box, you know. Okay, now I'm... And I really am addicted and okay, here I am. I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying using, uh, check that box. Okay. Now I'm not really enjoying how I feel, but I still enjoy use. I still enjoy the, the process or the, mm -hmm. uh, it's all rather, rather dreadful. And I mm -hmm. in my sheltered little world of not using drugs and understanding that whole, how you get sucked in in the first place. And then, the despair when you can't get yourself back out or the the resignation or the I don't know what I don't know what the feeling is. It's just a you know mm -hmm. I'm starting to get the picture. Let me put it that way. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to get the picture. So we're back here at this at this party at 
with the chairs. With the chairs and Molly Knox. With the chairs. Apartment. And Molly is dressed yeah. as, as Karl Marx. Yes. Yeah. With, right. Uh, Which it, it's kind of falling off her for a couple yeah, days. Yeah, she's been dressed as Karl Marx for most of the day. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's shabby. It's shabby. She's mm-hmm. wearing uh, soot from an obscure British souvenir filth shop. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. But so so it okay. sounds like is that that's um that's the costume that she wore to defend, defend her, her dissertation. dissertation. Yes. I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why not? And then come home and sit in your creepy director director chairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I know um last week we were talking about the director chairs. I Envision them as like beanbag chairs as the director's heads, but this time it does kind of make it clear that it is like fiberglass. The direct, yeah, yeah, like it's the director's bodies in like a chair position, and you're sitting on the entire director themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Uh, we so we add weird. another one to the roster. So in addition yes. to the other directors that were mentioned, we now know that there's also a Maya Darren chair. Yep. Um. Avant-garde filmmaker from when? 40s? 40s. Uh, she's probably best known for Meshes of the Afternoon, which is sort of a, a landmark in avant-garde montage film. Uh, really fascinating movie. Uh, but she made she made uh, a bunch of really interesting films. Would there have been many women uh, filmmakers? No, doing really uh, edgy stuff like that at that time. Well, there I mean there were there were some there were a number of Soviet women who were really influential editors, but they've largely been erased from film history. Maya Darren is one of the few who's who's still like kind of remembered and given her rightful seat at the table. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I think that that avant-garde film world at the time was small enough that it wasn't quite as much of an exclusionary boys club as Hollywood was, but it was still, uh, uh, you know, difficult for a woman in film to to make work that was her own. Mm-hmm. And what about? I mean, back to the to the Marx costume. Mm-hmm. Her her devastating oral critique of post-millennial Marxist film cartridge theory. So yes. there's a Marxist <laughs> film cartridge theory. <laughs> well, that I mean, that's like what's that? So what what does she mean by that? Well, she's so so they they talk about film and film cartridge theory, which seems like a sort of meaningless distinction to me. Like we talk like film theory scholars. You're a film theory scholar now. You're not a film and DVD theory scholar or a film and Netflix theory scholar. Right. Um, Right. Yeah. uh, But yeah, like there's there's Marxist Marxist film theory is very much a thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And it sounds like her her dissertation is critical of this film theory in some way. And so her her costuming herself as Karl Marx is like somehow parodic or cartoonish. I have a question. Yeah. Okay. Why in the middle of this narrative about Joelle getting ready to OD, do we have Helen Steepley's CV? It's so strange. It comes Why is that there? comes up out of nowhere yeah. and then it vanishes I, just as quickly. And it doesn't quickly. go anywhere. Yeah. I have a hypothesis. Okay. Okay. I want to hear it. I I hypothesize, hypothesize, 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That it is a commercial break. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Could be. Yeah, I could see that. We've had pseudo commercial breaks in other sections. That's true. Mm-hmm. Does and that thing... so I would I would argue that this is perhaps a commercial break. Yeah, even um, like going through the chronology of uh, yeah. the years, that's kind of like a commercial break as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> oh, by the way, there's this thing, and it might be useful to you later, but mm-hmm. let's get back to the narrative. Yeah. <laughs> the other interesting thing, the other in- weird thing about it is that it seemed like when we met Steeply, he was Helen. Yeah. He, she was mm-hmm. Helen. Yeah. But there was reference to all the other, like, undercover personas that he mm-hmm. had uh, used in his work. But this shows that he has been Helen for quite a long time. Well, so I, I was curious about this. Is this yeah. all, are, are, are we to believe that, the, that he has been doing these things? Or is this like an identity that the Office of Unspecified Ooh. Services has been like uh, keeping up over the years for uh, an agent who might need it? Oh, yeah. I guess that sure. would be it. That could be. I guess that would make sense. Because it doesn't make sense that he would have been in this character for that long necessarily i mean unless he has to do a bunch of housekeeping like as part of his job he has to interact with the world as these variety of different personas right yeah but yeah this is close to a decade of work and of time here yeah this sounds like a full-time job yeah uh, for 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 years to do all this writing I was also thinking that this is an unusual CV in that it's definitely not <laughs> something you would give to a no. prospective employer no. because your prospective employer doesn't need to know that Helen... About your affairs? Yeah, yeah. was in love with mm-hmm. the executive editor and right. left when he right. left. Yeah. So is this trying to... Is this something that's made up? For his cover, or are they just telling us more about Steeply? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it seems so weird. Like Vinny said, this is this accounts for almost <laughs> a decade. Yeah. And if he's been, if he has been in his Helen Helen character for a decade, he should be a lot better at it than he is. <laughs> he yeah. seems like someone who just has put on this this new persona and isn't yeah. and is klutzy and, and clumsy with it. Mm-hmm. But, but he also doesn't seem to care much that he's klutzy and clumsy. So maybe he has been doing it for a long time and he's just not very good at it and he doesn't care. Yeah, maybe, well, maybe that's the secret. He doesn't care. He's not very good at it. And then hilariously hijinks ensue because everybody still believes that he's Helen. Mm. Yeah, and I'm uh, even a little confused as to whether or not Steeply is good at being Helen, because it seems like it's a matter of perspective. That mm-hmm. yeah. um, I know Marat certainly doesn't think that Steeply is good at being Helen, but right. I feel like Steeply thinks that Steeply is good at being Helen. Even though mm-hmm. he can't keep pieces of his costuming connected right. to his yeah. body correctly. 
Well, yeah. he doesn't. He's not putting on a show for Marat. No. That's true. Yeah. No. So he doesn't necessarily have to be Helen. Yeah, he might. He might. In those, that's true. I guess he, he might be switched off in those scenes that we've seen that him could in. Be. But then again, at the same time, if this is high quality undercover costuming disguise right. stuff, maybe you should treat your fake breasts a little better. A little better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't be so careless and casual. <laughs> you never know who could be watching. Mm-hmm. That is true. And notice yeah. some irregularities. Yeah. But on by that the way, cliff. are they still on the cliff? Are they well, still I mean, on the cliff? Could be. <gasps> oh. <laughs> it's been a long time since we left them there. And it's kind of a tease. You know I've been worried about them on that ledge and what's up and will they ever get off of it? And so then here it looks like we're gonna hear about steeply, but then we don't. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yep. I can view it as a commercial break. It is unique amongst the commercial breaks we've had so far in that it seems to fall like right in the middle of something else. Like yeah. right. we're, list- we're, we're in a story and then it stops for this interlude right. and then it picks up right where it left off, which is very right. odd. So at the party, there are a couple other like little details that I think are kind of amusing. There's the um, there's the framed frames Yes. On the wall, the yes. early ex- yes. in the early experialist fashion of making art out of the accessories of artistic presentation, and then there's also it feels somehow thematically similar the the minimal mambo the yeah. sort of the oh, sort of oh yeah yes. oh, I forgot the, about that this autumn's East Coast anti craze or this yes. like dancing the without moving, moving kind of thing with the, the tiniest movements the almost mm-hmm. imperceptible movements yeah that is pretty funny. Um, it, it, it all feels like hipsters and ironic yeah. liking of yes. yeah. yeah, it feels like yeah. uh, a depiction of like a an art world or uh, an intellectual world that's just choking on its own irony. Oh my god! Yeah, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I yeah. don't think I would go to that party. No, and, or and if I, mean, I it, was there, I wouldn't be having fun. I yeah. would make friends with the local animal. <laughs> right. Right. But it doesn't uh, right. sound like there are any animals in this apartment. Unfortunately. No. House? Apartment. Apartment, I believe. Yeah. Like a big apartment. It used to be Joelle's, right? It used to be Joelle's. Or she lived there with Molly. It was hers. She mm-hmm. she bought it, right? With her money I she got from believe that's true. James O. But then mm. she left. I think so. And gave it she gave it to Molly. Yeah, cause it's, and it says she lives on a grossly generous trust, willed her by a man she unveiled for but never slept with, uh, the prodigious punter's father, infinite jester, director of a final opus so magnum he'd claimed to have had it locked away, never seen the completed assembly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it says he'd stuck that long, quartzy, auto-wobbling lens on the camera and filmed her for could have been as entertaining as he'd said the thing he he said he'd said the thing he'd always wanted to make had broken his heart by ending up yeah i i had i had a lot of trouble parsing over that and over and i couldn't figure out what Let she me, was okay. saying yeah cuz i i eventually gave up on it let me see uh uh 
the entertaining, as he'd said, the thing he'd always wanted to make. Uh, I couldn't understand it. I understood it to mean that his, that the thing that he was making, it broke his heart by ending up just as entertaining as he'd hoped or Mm. vice versa. Like it broke his heart by turning out not as entertaining as he had hoped. I I was unclear about which way. I must have read that sentence a dozen (laughs) times trying to get it to come out right. And Mm -hmm. I still didn't, I still didn't understand the ending up. I feel like we need to diagram the sentence. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I never learned how to do that. Thanks, Chicago (laughs) Public Schools. Yeah, neither did I. I did. I was drilled with it. It wasn't the the biggest part of my uh, junior high uh, English training was to diagram sentences at the blackboard Mm. with Mrs. Hummel shouting at those who couldn't and telling them they were stupid. Oh, so you would feel you did not get a whole lot. You had sort of a Dickensian that. childhood, is my yes. understanding. Yes, but I, but <laughs> no, wow. I did. I was a good sentence. Uh, oh, yeah, I could do. I could. I could diagram a sentence. Yeah, I feel like I learned how, but I've forgotten since. We'd do mm. big, long, complicated ones, mm. like this one. Yeah. Not like this one. <laughs> <laughs> I think that Mrs. Hummel would have said that was not a well-written sentence. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are okay, a lot so, of standards. So she, she doubts that any number of scenes like the one she was in could have been assembled into something as entertaining as he said... As he said that it... That it had uh, wound up being. Right. Yeah. So he'd always dreamed, he'd always wanted to make this thing. And he said that they, it had wound up being so entertaining that it broke his heart. And she doesn't believe that that's possible given her experience. Mm -hmm. Okay. I accept this understanding of the (laughs) sentence. I will kind of accept it, but it, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't understand the by ending up dangling at the end. Yeah, it sounds to me like he didn't like James O didn't necessarily intend to make something entertaining. Well, looking at his filmography and how he doesn't really give a shit whether or not he's entertaining people. Right. Right. Yeah, I I I mean, he he definitely (laughs) uh, he he does indulge in like genre film occasionally or melodrama that that could be construed as like easily digestible entertainment, but it seems like that wasn't his intent with this piece. Right. Well, he's also doing the genre films more for himself, or he's doing any of the films more for himself than... That's true. ...for the pure entertainment of the film itself. Yeah. We're moving... So just to to continue on through the party, we've got these, like, snatches of conversation that we overhear. Right. It was like the locker room. Oh, yeah. Kind of like Mm -hmm. locker room. Or like the little the little scraps of conversation from uh, Ennett House, right? Kind of too, right? The, but 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 with the difference that most of this is completely insufferable. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Thereby emphasizing the fact that I would not have fun at this yeah. party. Yeah, yeah, 
She's wondering how how one kills oneself by putting their head in the microwave. She wondered mm. exactly the same yeah. thing that I did. Yeah. yeah. You're right. Yeah, that we all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she thought about it in kind of detail about what would you have to It was very similar to my wonderings. I appreciated that she wondered about it too. Mhm. <sighs> but when it's I read ugly, that it's oh, but morning. it's awful too. Yeah. It's the cat thing. Yeah. That was yeah. It was pretty graphically alarmingly disgusting. I will say that sounds like an urban legend to me. I don't think that a microwave would make any animal explode. You don't Mm. think so? What if the animal chose to explode out of spite? Oh, well, then I would believe it. In, in In the snatches of conversation here, we do talk about, or there's somebody talking about, uh, the foolishness of catapulting waste into the convexity like clear description somewhere in here is that where it is about but there's yeah so there's a there's a another description of a a waste projectile but before that we have this like this argument over this semantic argument over whether it's called the convexity or the concavity concavity Mm -hmm. oh right right Um, yes that was intriguing i think you mean great concavity alan I meant great convexity. I know what is the thing I meant. <laughs> I think you mean Alain. Alain, yes. So, because so the, that man is the, definitely French-Canadian. The, yeah. The, yes, the Quebecois would call it the concavity. No, or the no, convexity. they'd call it the convexity, the convexity. because it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a convex attachment to their country. Mm-hmm. Uh, hmm. Whereas in America, it's like a concave void in our country. Hmm. Or at least we want it to be we a concave want it to be. void. We yeah. want it to be. Right. The Canadians haven't accepted our gift. Right. Of yeah. garbage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, of Which, toxic I mean... garbage <laughs> with herds of wild hamsters roving around with it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You're welcome, <laughs> Canada. Them. Right. <laughs> Yeah, was the allegedly fatally entertaining and scopophiliac thing Jim alleges he made out of her unveiled face here at the start of YTSDB a cage or really a door? Right. Mm. Like reference to the cage again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the cage. Lots a door. Of that. Yeah, Joelle seems to be really taken by that metaphor. Mm-hmm. That the 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 exit was also an entrance, and there there is no exit. The the world is a cage. Is this also a confirmation that the entertainment is fatal? Uh, well, she does say allegedly fatal. Okay. All right. So we still don't know if it's fatal or not. I mean, I believe it is, but... Yeah, and I, I believe it is too, which is why I keep on trying to find something that concretely says that it is fatal. It seems like there's a lot of rumor and speculation around this thing even in the uh the section where we're listening to snatches of conversations i think that we hear somebody else speculating about what it might be right mm-hmm. yeah um, they're like maybe it'll be maybe it's some sort of erotica it's just a big joke it's some yeah. whirls right <laughs> just yeah, forever even if it exists it has to be something more like an aesthetic pharmaceutical yeah. Right. Some beastly post-annular scopophiliacal vector. Right. Abstractable, <laughs> abstractable hypnosis. Opti- mm-hmm. Optical dopamine. A yeah. recorded delusion. 
Optical dopamine. Yeah. Sign me and then, up. And then it says something about this <laughs> ultimate cartridge as ecstatic death. Rumors have been going around. Simply make inquiries. Yeah. Mention some obscure foundation grant. Obtain the thing through whatever shade of market the thing's alleged to be out in. Have a look. What? See that it's doubtless just high concept erotica or an hour of rotating whirls or something like the late um, Makayev, something that's only entertaining after it's over on reflection. Yeah. So they're talking about it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when I first read this, I underlined something that's only entertaining after it's over on reflection. Mm. Uh -huh. mm. So I think past Brianna thought that that was really deep and I can't decide if I agree with past or, Brianna. Or did past Brianna think that that was a, an apt description of what this book might be? Oh, probably oh, that. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe that's it. But past Brianna was only 233 pages into this book. Mm. So I don't know if she was thinking <laughs> meta. There was also another word that I really liked. I think it's on page 235. Bathetic. Oh, yes. Bathetic, yeah. Bathetic. Which mm. means? Like anticlimactic, sort of. Mm-hmm. Bathetic. <laughs> as, as in bathos. Right? Bathos. Right, yeah. I have quite a bit of respect for uh, David Foster Wallace's uh, vocabulary. Mm -hmm. Like, how did I he even he find these words? Dictionary. How yeah. did he find, like, like Hal, I guess, you yeah, know? Yeah, I think kind so. Yeah. Alexander Pope's definition of bathos to, is used to describe an amusingly failed attempt at presenting artistic greatness. Mm. Yeah. I can't help but think what it was like to talk to David Foster Wallace just in casual conversation yeah, yeah. and how insufferable he probably sounded. Well, <laughs> and confusing. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure about him. that. I, th I think that we should, you know, one of these days we should do a bonus episode where we uh, where we watch the movie that was made about the yeah. uh, the Infinite yeah. Jest book tour. Yeah. Um, oh, Yeah. yeah. Because that, and also, like, interviews that I've seen with him seem to suggest that he was a pretty down-to-earth guy. Um, when you were just talking to him. When you were just talking to him. But when and, he went and off to write, then the, the stuff happened. came out of his. Yes. So this kind of thing <laughs> happened. Yeah, this, like, really, like, weird, like, sort of postmodernistically ornate writing, like, very mannered um Uses use of figures of speech in narration mm -hmm. and yeah and and often you know when I'm reading I come across the line that I think oh I think that's that's an important line and it, mm -hmm. and this time it was uh, Molly saying after somebody knocked something off the wall oh everything falls off the wall sooner or later yeah <laughs> yeah that does seem thematically it sounds thematically important somehow or yeah. I mean, it's kind of a, a rephrasing of Chekhov's gun, right? Like, thing, things are all set up, and, and eventually the trap must spring. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that, because um, that also makes me think about the use of kind of insipid characters or foolish characters in literature to say the most important or the right. most thematically <laughs> right. relevant yeah. things. Yeah. Um, 
that that's a very Shakespearean yeah, like the, the fool or the court jester. Right. Comedies right, because of manners. Who is Molly Naughton? She's somebody with weird chair, weird movie director chairs, and she's exactly. a quirky, weird person. She dressed as Marx to defend her dissertation, and we may never see her again. Yeah. We may never see her again. She doesn't feel like that important of a character, but yet she said that, and that feels that feels important because it's sort of like it's sort of Joelle, you know, she's kind of falling off the wall in this mm-hmm. chapter. I wondered about Joelle, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, it talks about this person knocking at the door and asking if anybody's in there. So is she say. is she dead? Mm-hmm. From an overdose, or are they going to find her and she's going to end up at in the psych ward like I'm, Kate Gombert? I, I feel like I. it's funny because the last chapter, it sounded like we were going to, we were witnessing the last hour or so of Joelle's right. life. Yeah, and it kind but, of sounds like the last chapter, or the chapter that we ended with last um, was kind, kind of takes place after this chapter that we're in right now. Oh, I disagree. Oh, okay. Because we get yeah, we get some Yeah, we get the action of her like cooking the crack and chopping it up and smoking it and like as she's as she's taking this intentional overdose, we're hearing people knock on the door and and somebody telling Molly that Somebody's in there for a lo- somebody's been in there for a long time and it smells weird. I kind of mm-hmm. took it to be like like the previous chapter was before some of this chapter. I felt like this was sort of a like a in parentheses uh, mm. how she got to the party. Like we in the last chapter she was at the party cuz she she was sitting in this in the weird chairs, right? Wasn't right. It's yeah. been it's been kind but, of it's almost like it's flickering of, back and forth because right. also it's in the last like chapter it a, talked about her stopping to get the glass tube. Right. Yeah. yeah. But right. it also talked about how she hates the end of parties when right. everybody right. kind of decides that parties are over and it's time to go home. Right. Right. Hmm. Oh right. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's very, so I don't know. It all it all feels. Time. Kind of smeary or something. Yeah, smeary is a good um, word. I do agree, though, that it does sound like we're at the very last hours of life, though. Well, so the reason I said that is that I think after reading this, it sounds to me like maybe she's going to get rescued in the nick of time. Hmm. Because there is like there is somebody pounding at the door as she's doing right. this. It's not it's not going it's not all going according to plan. Right. Yeah, but yeah, it's also but she a, really took a uh, massive dose. She did yeah. massive massive hit. So she did. I, I I don't know. I'm not ready to believe that she's that this is it for her. I I think it's possible, but I think there's a chance that she survives this. I found it interesting how how detailed we got in the in the production yeah. of preparing the crack and stuff. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I mean I think it's a it's a by nature of it being that really close narration that she's so yeah. fixated on and it's like almost ritualistic for her. And uh 
direct call up to Hamlet. Yes. Uh, that the face of the deep had been the title she'd suggested for Jim's unseen last yes. cartridge. Yes. Which mm-hmm. he'd said would be too pretentious and then used that skull fragment of the Hamlet graveyard scene instead, uh-huh. which talk about pretentious, she'd laughed. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and do, then he looked frightened, say, he looked yeah, frightened he was, when she laughed at his title choice. Yeah. What does that mean? He's... He's not very sure. He's he he doesn't have a very good self image. Yeah. He's easily shaken. Mm-hmm. He thought for he had sure. this great idea, and in fact, he's been using the title "Infinite Jest" for years now, as he's worked on various versions or mm-hmm. or uh, iterations of it or something. And now, all of a sudden, she's like she laughed at the title, which I don't think was. So it's like, oh my gosh, if. Have I been wrong here? <laughs> if I'm wrong about the title, am I wrong about the whole thing? Yeah. Whatever the whole thing is. And then after all this sadness and either death or near death and despair and <laughs> veils yeah. covering faces that are either too beautiful or too disfigured, <laughs> uh, all this, all this worry and fretting about now Oren and... And mm-hmm. even like James O, what the hell was wrong with him? What was going on with him? And and, and why not him psychosis? And has she been doing the radio show? Like, was she doing that first? And that's how James O found her? Or did she start that as a response to being in his films? Or there are, mm-hmm. there are mm-hmm. as always... We've had much revealed, and we've had probably more questions raised. Than and then we get, and then we get revealed, a, and then bam, we go into the description of we, the. Of, yeah, we go. We go from all Enfield this drama mass. to a map of Enfield. Yes. Yeah, which <laughs> I found insufferably boring. Yeah, which, it was, well, it's I, very yeah. dry. I thought it was. I thought. I actually thought it was enlightening. I thought, <laughs> what an incredibly weird place. For James O. to build Enfield Tennis Academy, for one thing. Mm-hmm. Because that's not the kind of place that it is where you would put this, necessarily where you would put this, you think, kind of kind of upscale residential school for kids, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it seems like such a strange place. And then... Especially because the catapult facilities are right there. Yeah. And they take mm-hmm. up like blocks and they make a terrible noise. And they're, it says they take up a good squ- six square blocks of Enfield, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and the tennis academy occupies probably now the nicest site in Enfield, some 10 years after balding and shaving flat the top of the big abrupt hill. And now. But prior to this chapter, did we know that there were giant catapults that flung garbage everywhere? We knew the, that there were there's been some, I think that was yeah. alluded okay. to. They, I don't know. The sprong of waste I, displacement catapults is okay. mentioned. But I, for some reason, I didn't pick it. I didn't picture it as being this gigantic. I mean, mm-hmm. this is enormous. And it's not, I, I for some reason was picturing them as being more mobile. Like being more, mm. like there would mm. be more of them. But it seems like this is the place 
where the like waste this is this comes. is all this is th- yeah it. this is the whole waste disposal infrastructure for Massachusetts <laughs> is these but like if they were if they were if they if they bring if they transport all their waste here why not just take it to the edge of the great concavity and shove it in like we do with landfills why the catapult why it's so I don't know. Weird. I mean, I, I, the weird thing to me is this all seems the question of waste disposal and like the the catapult process seems in some way tied to annular fusion. Yeah. And, and right. I'm not sure well, whether yeah. they're whether right. they're mentioned in concert so often because like there's a lot of waste because annular fusion produces a lot of waste or does does the availability of cold fusion mean that there's just a lot of inexpensive energy around and so they can justify catapulting waste long distances instead of trucking it somewhere you know Hmm. yeah they talk about what about on page 242 you people who know things what's the symbol in the first line it's the last page that we read talking with many somethings about how many Annular generated amps are waiting underground. It's a, it's a crossed out zero. I, I mean, does does that just mean like number with a lot of zeros next to it? Amps, like this is how many? This is many, 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 many amps. Years. Yeah, it could be. Talk, each sign talking with many symbols. Talking with many. Yeah, I. I, I mean, I think it's just how many it's, annular generated amps are waiting. No, it can't be amps. How many? Why, each why not? Sign, each sign talking with many blanks. Using about many how zeros. How many annular generated amps are waiting? U- using many them. zeros to describe how many amps are in this big capacitor, oh. right? Oh. Oh. Okay. okay yeah. Um, it kind of reminds me of places where nuclear waste is is buried. They have these. They have signs up that are like first they're in English and pretty much every other written language in the world that that are like leave now this place is bad uh run don't so, walk away kind of stuff and then and then if you get closer there are these like pictographs that some depict. of the best signs in our in our world are stick figure signs warning yes. signs, caution yes. signs using stick yeah. figures mm-hmm. uh my favorite is i don't think i have a picture of it anymore but there's a i remember helping my dad install an awning like a motorized awning over oh, a window for I someone vaguely remember this. that had um had a very powerful spring in it and and there was this this diagram inside the package that depicted something about like don't let this thing swing out and hit you because it's spring loaded but there's a there's a picture of like a stick figure face getting smacked really hard with this spring loaded <laughs> arm and and the thing that i remember most about it is that there are like a couple little question marks floating around the face like they're confused <laughs> what happened? they're confused I, I felt like the implication is that this person is confused and maybe a little stupid and that's why they allowed this to happen <laughs> uh, but yeah there there are some excellent excellent stick figure caution diagrams that exist in the world Ooh. so this this it's very easy to imagine the nonverbal stick figure symbols uh yeah with the Going up like a Kleenex in the fireplace. <laughs> One of you can draw that for the next time, okay? You can. Yeah. Excuse and they me. have this when enormous DFW fan. They have this enormous fan. 
Yes. Right? They have this gigantic fan. Well, they have a, a number of fans made by, they say, the AFSCME Corporation yes. makes really big fans. Right. Mm-hmm. And that you can hear the one is like this, it's like background, like white noise for Enfield. You can hear it all the time at Enfield. Hmm. So is that a a sly wink and nod to Acme Company? I was wondering I about that. I wondered that, too, because when you try to read it, that's kind of how it comes out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then I thought, do we know what it stands for? I don't think we do. I know yeah, I, I don't, don't think but so. Because my memory it comes, is It's come up before, right? Yeah, it's, it's mentioned up. with some regularity, but I don't yeah. think it's ever been explained what the what the initialism means. I am surprised that everybody jumped over what infinite jest seems to be, and we haven't discussed whether or not that's something that might cause you to die because it's so entertaining. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's... So it's clearly, at, it, it may not all be live action, but it clearly has a live action component to it. Um, if, if James O shot footage of Joel for the film, mm-hmm. uh, using, using an auto wobble lens, which I haven't heard of, but I assume would, I, I'm not sure if anyone's ever built such a thing, but I imagine it's something that like. It made me think of my cat. Which cat was it whose eyes wobbled all the Zooey. time? Zooey. Zooey, yeah. Zooey's eyes wobbled. That's how, that's how he saw uh, the world. Uh, yeah, so I, I would imagine that it like wobbles an inner element of the lens to create kind of rhythmic distortions of the image. I, I bet it would be kind of dizzying to watch something shot that way. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I also keep thinking about like Stan Brackage films that involve, that do have live action elements but they're often it's kind of unclear what the elements actually are because they've been the image has been manipulated and and it's shot in such an abstract way that it's difficult to discern that is of course one of the greatest mysteries is what is this thing mm-hmm. what is this master I, I do, work i do uh, like the speculation that it's kind of like visual dopamine like it's less about telling a story that's so compelling that it gives people paroxysms of joy and it's more like i don't know like neurocinema or like a flicker film that activates a neuroreceptor right, in your brain calls, that does when this it calls it mm. uh, abstractable hypnosis yeah question like abstractable though, is that hypnosis. is that coming from a party guest talking about it yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that I there's... don't know if I would believe anything that the party guests are saying about right. it necessarily because yeah. they've never seen it. Well, it's all pure speculation. Like, I, I don't. I know, but Joelle knows what she shot. Yeah, I mean, I'm all saying. she knows is that she pulled back her veil and and spoke into the wobbling lens. Didn't isn't it something like she says that? She's sorry, or she apologizes to it. Yes, there's like a a an it's an apology scene or a maternal apology scene. I think. Let me see yeah. if I can find that. Yeah, the she talks about his. So I guess I'm sorry. All I'm asking whether or not this the content that she remembers being part of could factor into something so entertaining it's lethal 
Right. In y'all's well, she opinion. she seems skeptical. She doesn't think that it could be. Yeah, I know um, that. Oh, okay. Wait, I'm asking you if you think that she's right. I, I don't know. I don't think. I, I, it's tough to say. I mean, I think based on what we know about James O and and what has been said both speculatively and definitively about the film, I imagine that it's non-narrative. I'm looking for your opinion, not a uh, evidence-based. Well, I, I mean, well, but call. you told me not to speculate. You scolded me when I speculated. <laughs> you were speculating based on what a character was oh, saying. Oh, well, I, I brought that up huh. because I think that that's like that's probably about where I fall in speculating on this thing. Like, okay, I think I that think, makes sense. I think if a film could do that to a person. Um, it has to be acting on sub on some non-conscious level. It has to be like activating neuro like neurotransmitters in the brain, or um, some kind of a some kind of a weird energy pulse that messes with your neurological functions. Yes, yeah, like <laughs> like uh, okay. I, I'm reminded like it again scrambles of scrambles your. It's like scrambling uh, uh, signals from a from some kind of transmitting device using some kind of some kind of disruptive signal. It feels like it must be, it, it's for sure partly visual, but it maybe it's auditory as well. Or maybe it's, you know, he does all this stuff with the lenses and the light. Maybe it's a, a some kind of light uh, beam, some kind of like a, I don't know. There's something, it's not, it's not just related to his filmmaking. I think it's related to his annular fusion work, his scientific mm, ooh, work I, with lenses. Maybe. maybe. I, I don't know. Lens and light. Lens and I'm, light somehow. Yes. I, that seems more credible to me. I, I, I'm reminded again of like the Flickr film, which which uh -huh. is, is a thing that exists. It's a, it's a genre of avant-garde right. film. And it was designed before it became other things aesthetically. It was designed as an experiment into whether you could get somebody high by showing flashing lights to them, right. which isn't a, it's not a crazy idea. Like you can cause seizures, seizures. in people by right. showing flashing lights to them. Right. Um, interestingly, even if you aren't, uh, epileptic you can have you can be photosensitive in a way that causes you seizures from seeing uh -huh. flashing lights um and and that that flickering is that's caused by flickering of a very specific pattern that causes those seizures so i mean it's not out of the realm of possibility or it doesn't seem to be out of the realm of possibility that a different type of flickering might cause a different type of reaction mm -hmm. right. um i mean i i don't think that like i think that if contemporary film exhibition technology could produce such an effect, probably somebody would have been able to do it by now. Um, but we're also talking about a different type of technology. Like we're talking specifically about cartridge viewers on extremely high definition screens that maybe work at different frame rates or produce a different kind of light. we're also talking about a guy who created annular fusion, mm -hmm. which would have been yeah. a, a totally novel. I mean, it would have been... Yes. So if anybody could have come up with a way to create this, it might have been him. Maybe. I mean, I, I'm a little skeptical that his his work in 
generating electricity would prepare him to know anything about neurology. But no, but I'm just saying his his creative scientific work, his sure. novel, his novelly creative scientific work that ended up with him uh, developing annular fusion. If he could mm-hmm. do that, I'm just saying that he could have that novel, creative, uh, technical kind of attention to the possible that would let him be able to come up with it. There's also in the conversations that are going on at the party, there's also the talk about, uh, they say fans do not begin to keep it all in the great convexity. It creeps back in. What goes around, it comes back around. This year nation refuses to learn. It will keep creeping back in. You cannot give away your filth and prevent all creepage. No. Mm -hmm. Although then it's confusing because, because then he goes on to say filth by its very nature. It is a thing that is creeping always back. Me, I can remember when your Charles was cafe with cream. Look now at it. It is the blue river. You have a river outside you that is Robin eggs blue. But that would seem to imply that the, that the garbage dumping is working. But he's saying that it's not. That it's I don't, cre- I don't it's think, creeping I mean, correct in. me if I'm wrong, but I don't think the Charles River is supposed to be blue. I think Robin's egg blue is perhaps unnatural. Oh. It's like yeah. I mean, oh, okay. a, a lot of a lot of rivers would be naturally okay. kind of brown and silty. Okay, mm-hmm. all right, all right. Unless you're the Chicago River on St. Patrick's Day, hey, yeah. which yes, yeah. just naturally naturally green. turns green or, every year. Right. It's yeah. really surprising. River, like like it even obeys River leap years and stuff. While, then it would be on fire. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All in all, I have to say that once more, I, I am just filled with dread for these people. I feel like, I feel like their world is a horrible place. Mm-hmm. Have we read about yeah. anyone up until this point who is actually really happy with their existence? Mario. Anyone? Mario, Mario, maybe. Mario, maybe. But that's about it. Yeah. And he is... He is perhaps only happy about it because he because he doesn't know any better. He, he doesn't somehow. He's very sheltered and, yeah. and he He's kind very of has sheltered a. And, and so even he, who we think is relatively happy, he worries about, though, he was worried about, you know, was mom sad enough when dad, when our, when himself died? And, That's true. Yeah. yeah. Hal, mm-hmm. Hal, are you, you know, trying to get Hal's attention and never, and not getting it. And we know now that Oren didn't like him. And let's face it, brothers maybe can hide a little bit of that for family harmony, but they can't really hide it. You, you would feel the, mm-hmm. You would yeah. feel, even Mario should feel that Oren doesn't, for whatever reason, doesn't, isn't interested in spending time with him, probably. Yeah. And, and his father died, his father, who he trailed around after with his uh, film stuff and, you know, watched and, uh, and now that father is gone. That's who, that's who he, you know, it seems like that was his world and now now his father is not there and i don't know yeah i don't know just i don't even know if he is happy he is maybe 
He is maybe unaware of his unhappiness in some level. And how sad, this whole book, this whole book, and we've met a lot of people, and all of them. By my count, I, we've met. Yeah, yeah how many? Mm-hmm. Ah, 105. Wow. wow. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, That's... so we've met a lot of people, and not one of them really sounds happy although maybe maybe molly not maybe she's happy i don't know maybe she's somewhat happy i mean she's she a seems she, yeah, she, she seems just, happy in her kind of obliviousness right yeah but like i haven't read about any sing, any character at all that i would like be willing to step into their life for instance yeah mm-hmm I would have to say, no, thank you. I'll keep my own problems. <laughs> my own problems. It does make my problems look small compared, hmm. comparatively. And now I've moved from, so I still am dreading what's going to happen to Hal, whatever that is, but I also horribly dread learning what already happened to Oren. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oren, Oren is carrying the weight of too many family secrets. Yeah. Mm. Why that happened, we don't know. And like, we don't really, we don't really know how Joel got hooked up with James O and his filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Except that she was with Oren, but Oren doesn't seem like, doesn't seem like any of the sort of relationship type things that he's had in his life. It doesn't seem like he would. Not like he would take her home for family dinner. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> no. Although maybe, maybe, maybe his relationship problems have all happened after Joel. Maybe that's what started it all. Maybe he was this okay. Possible. Maybe he was okay. Hmm. I mean, he had this girlfriend that he was with for two years. And he was close enough to her that he shared his husk collection with her <laughs> <laughs> and must have somehow introduced her to his dad, unless they knew each other from before, unless mm-hmm. it was the other way around. But maybe it was after that, after, after she became involved with his dad in their warped filmmaking uh, relationship, maybe... And and acid throwing by someone at someone, we assume. Mm-hmm. So poor Oren. Poor mm-hmm. Oren. Poor Hal. Poor Mario. His brother didn't like him. Maybe Oren didn't like Mario because he wished that he could be the one that wasn't pushed all the time. Mm. <laughs> mm. But then but then you would think, but I don't want to be Mario. Look at him. Yeah. With all of his disabilities. Why would I want to be him? Ooh, thunder here. Ooh, thunder at our house wow. in Fort Collins, Nobody Colorado. even said Hamlet. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, we should all say it now. Hamlet. 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 <laughs> wow. I will say, too, about this chunk, because it was also, although some of it was difficult reading and understanding, that it was all so much about the same little chunk of narrative, really, that was a little disorienting. And it also made me want to read on. Oh. 
I felt like it was such a cliffhanger with, with <laughs> Joel in the bathroom, either dead or not. Uh, and I wanted to read on and, and find out, although, of course, that's tempered I bet it's by gonna the be fact like, that it won't be about her anyway. It's going to be like 100 pages else. until we see her yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dead or alive. Yeah. Right. And we need to get back to Hal, and we need to get back to Marat and Steeply, and where's Avril mm-hmm. in all this? Yeah. And doesn't it allude to Avril being, like, really, like, Avril knew about Joelle and her husband and thought they were lovers, and did she do something? It seems she, like... Uh, uh, did she confront them? It feels like there was no, something she didn't. about... No, she didn't. She didn't confront them. Avril did not know that they weren't lovers. He left her this money... Um, which Avril never have lowered herself to the level of contesting, but which could hardly be expected to not to have solidified the appearance that they'd been lovers, Joel and Jim. Right. And then there's the question of why did, why did Oren leave? He didn't leave because Joel and his father were lovers because he knew that they weren't. He knew that they weren't. Yeah. He knew that they weren't. So why did he leave? Was it the acid incident, whatever that was? It, yeah, it or could be. Or was it just that she became so obsessed with the, so sucked into the film hmm. world that, yeah. Their family is a mess. <laughs> Andrew, our family, you know, I'm sure we have our problems and our quirkiness, but at least we're not the incandenzas, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank Low goodness. bar. Yeah. <laughs> and why don't we know more about Avril? And will we know more about Avril? And why didn't they have pets? <laughs> I think no. they'd all be a lot more well-adjusted if they had a couple dogs and a cat couple running cats. around. Yeah. yeah. I agree. My friend Kelly's roommate got a hedgehog. <gasps> oh. Just so you know. Do you know what its name is? No. I just mm. found out today that it existed. Mm. Kelly said that it doesn't do. Ask what Kelly, Kelly said, "Well, I was became distracted by her saying that she didn't think it does anything." <laughs> well, mm-hmm. that's you know. What, like, do, you what do you do with a hedgehog? a hedgehog? I said, "Well, you get it out and you stroke its quills and try to get them to lay down, but every little thing makes them go back up, and you." Mm-hmm. And you set it down on the floor, and it trundles around, and it goes in parks somewhere, and then you have to find it. Yeah. And you look mm-hmm. at its face, which is the most adorable animal face mm-hmm. ever, with yeah. its little black nose and its little black eyes and those funny ears. And then yeah. there's the whole thing about needing to trim its, its toenails, and mm-hmm. you have to have somebody hold it up, and then you have to massage its tummy and its little legs to get it to extend a leg so that you can actually see its hand. <laughs> so that you can trim the nails. And so there's yeah. a lot to do with the hedgehog. Yeah. You watch it spit on itself and you wonder, uh-huh. why is it oh, doing that? I forgot that? about that. I forgot about <laughs> the spitting. freaks me out. Yeah. I forgot about that. You, uh, you try and you go around and find other animals to introduce it to because you know it's practically uh, invincible. Right. You let it out with your cat. It's safe to yeah. have out with yeah, your cat. they're great cat, cat toys. Uh, after you've had hamsters in the house, it's such a relief to have a hedgehog instead because you <laughs> it's don't like an armored have to hamster. always... Right. You don't have to always <laughs> worry about be, it being eat, one pet eating another. Right. You know? Uh, so that's really good. So, yeah. So hedgehogs. If the Incandenza boys had had hedgehogs... Perhaps that would have been good, too. They could Mm -hmm. have set them on the table at family dinner. 
Thanks for joining us. Next week, we'll be talking about pages 242 to 270. Our music is by David Nichols. You can listen to his podcast, The Land of Random, on Spotify. Uh, and I leave you with this one parting sentiment. So get dentures, she said. So get dentures. Goodbye.